0: There we go. Good morning. Again. Um, it was funny. I went to uh, certain stores you have memberships to, right, where uh, you you have discounts because you're a member or whatever. And uh, so I have a membership with Eastern Mountain Sports. And so they will send me these coupons saying, congratulations, here are your membership rewards. You have a $10 coupon. To spend on whatever you want in the store. I'm like, bonus. So, so I go to EMS and, uh, when I I walk in, I have on my EMS pants and I have my EMS shirt because they keep giving that like the, at the end of the season, there's these like 50% off and 70% off sales. And so if it's, you know, a shirt that's normally way more than I would spend on a shirt, but then it's 70% off. And then I have my $10 coupon. I'm like, I'm going shopping. And so I walk into the store and I've got my EMS shirt, and my pants, and, and the manager stops and she like she's tracking me and I think, oh man, she thinks I'm a shoplifter. And, and, and she came up to me and she goes, excuse me, she said, uh, I don't ever do this. She said, but you look really sharp today. And I was just kind of like, thank you. And she goes, would you mind just standing out in front of the store um, <laughs> We don't have mannequins at EMS, but like you are rocking all of our EMS stuff. Would you go stand outside the front of the store? I was just, it was just funny. It doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about today. I just thought it would be fun to share that story. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I spent my ten dollars. Um, guys, uh, there a um, couple of things that just a, a, a tag on the announcement that Melissa shared. Um, when we started, so we, we were kind of, we have a little bit of brand identity issue with our men's ministry, uh, because we call the Wednesday night when we go to the gate, Storm the Gate, but our men's ministry is not Storm the Gate. That's just the name of when we go there on the second Wednesday of every month. And then Justin did an amazing job, uh, creating a logo for our men's ministry and a name for our men's ministry based off of that verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another so so uh, so our men 's ministry is called iron sharpens iron uh, and then there is the men's conference that's coming up in November that is called iron sharpens Iron that has nothing to do with our men's ministry um, so I just want to make sure that there's some exactly like the Oh, that's, that's yeah. So the Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conference is a national conference called Iron Sharpens Iron. They're all over the country. Um, And because of my relationship with Christian Service Brigade, I'm involved with Iron Sharpens Iron in Buffalo, which normally happens in February, and Iron Sharpens Iron that happens in Rochester, which is always that first weekend in November. That's what's happening. But gentlemen, the email that I sent out that you should absolutely go back and check and click on the links, is for our men's ministry, local in-house. Uh, and so what we are doing together as guys is we are reading this book together, uh, Spiritual Grit. There is, uh, we're, we're working on getting, uh, t-shirts that say Iron Sharpens Iron. If we can get those would be awesome is to get our Iron Sharpens Iron shirts before we go to the other Iron Sharpens Iron. And and wear them there because then they'll be like totally different from all their swag, and we'll be rocking our iron sharpens iron stuff, which I think would be pretty fun. Um, but we are uh, we're working on uh, building relationships between the men in our church, and one of the ways that we're doing that is we're social media is one of those challenging things uh, that that you put something out there and everyone can see it. So we were when we were in Fight Club last spring, we were exposed to an app called Band, and it's basically a closed network social media group that you get the Band app, um, and then it creates a group that then we can share things, we can share prayer requests with each other, we can uh, are the content that we're using for our men's ministry, the devotions, the physical exercise stuff. The nutritional stuff, all of that stuff is in the band app inside of our group. And so, uh, we've been praying for all of the men at LifeQuest. There's 24 guys that are, that call LifeQuest home. Right now, I think we are at 10 out of the 24. So we're just at about 50% of the guys at LifeQuest are in the band app. Um, and so it's a way that we can connect. Sometimes connecting here on Sunday mornings is challenging, right? Uh, especially if you're in the nursery or you're upstairs for a month or you're on the worship team and we're still practicing while everyone else is coming in, it's tough to connect on Sunday mornings. And then, and then again, on Sunday mornings at the end of service, we've got to tear it all down and put it all away. And so unless you're talking to someone while we're doing that, it's hard to connect. What, I, what I'm hopeful for with the band app for us is that it's a way for us to stay connected throughout the week to encourage each other to say hey I'm struggling today and and it doesn't go to the whole church it just goes to the guys that are in our Iron Sharpen's Iron group and so if you are technologically challenged and you need help I know Justin helped Tom Elias get his band app up and running this morning um if uh you if you can go if you didn't delete the email that I sent uh last week you can go in there, and the, the tab that says, I want to connect with band, when you click on that, that will take you to our group. It's a closed group, so no one else can join it unless we send an invitation. And um, that's basically your invitation to join the band, um, which, you know, I've always wanted to say that, uh, to join the band. Uh, I'm not in the band. Um, I know. I'm Again, I'm a dork. I'm, I'm sorry. Um yeah, so guys, we would love for you to to jump in and join us, whether or not you're able to come on Wednesday nights or not. We want to connect all of the guys at LifeQuest, and so I'm excited about the ten of you, um, nine of you, uh, in addition to me that are that have jumped in and have been posting uh things out of your devotions. You've been um, throwing things out there to encourage other guys. Um, thank you for doing that, and I'm excited to see where God leads us as 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 men at LifeQuest. Um one thing we missed last weekend because Miss Jennifer was in sunny Jamaica. It was her birthday last weekend. And so we want to wish you a very, very happy birthday. And you're welcome. Did you have a wonderful time? Good. Pictures looked amazing. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your presence. We're we're thankful for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that as we dig into your word today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would fill us, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us to be your many temples in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. So for the last few weeks, we have been talking about heaven and how heaven connects with earth and, and why is that important? Why is it important to, to have a, a solid understanding of heaven? Um, it's important because we, we get so focused on all of these other things of, of our relationship with God. I, you know When I was a kid, my relationship with God, kind of like the, the story of the, the people who like being scared in the caskets, my relationship with God was totally fear motivated because I, all I thought about was I don't want to go to hell, right? Because hell is a horrible place. Hell is a place of separation from God. Hell is a place that, that is, is eternal and never ending. And every time I mess up, that's where I'm going. And so my relationship with God was not motivated out of a love for Him. My relationship with God was not motivated out of uh, the the re, The reward of of what eternity will be, my relationship with God was totally fear based um, and I had to have a transformation in my thinking to to change the way that I walked out my relationship with God because it 's not about walking in fear it's there is so much that that we get out of our relationship with god the 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 connection that we have with him and what he wants for us is is so much better and so much better a motivator uh as far as knowing that my my relationship with God is not just a get out of hell free card it's a continuous relationship that's here and now and gets to be f- forever so i just that's why I, I felt like it was important that we take the time over these last few weeks to kind of unpack heaven, and so we went all the way back to the garden, and and the beginning of when that intersection of where heaven meets earth, right? You remember that, and then we were talking about the temple, um, and how the temple was that way that 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 God's presence intersected with us. And today we're going to talk about because we we don't go necessarily to a temple; we are not bound. Uh, geographically that you have to go to a temple to offer sacrifices uh anymore we do gather together to worship in churches um and but we we do that out of a a desire to connect with one another as we worship God We're, we we don't we don't come to this building because there's anything special about this building um because we are now the temple so so here's the thing as we as we look back at this whole story, as we look at back at at what Jesus did for us, he was uh, walking through the, the the Middle East, walking through Israel, teaching, preaching, gathering followers, trying to help them understand what does the kingdom of God really mean why why do we need this connection with god and And so eventually he's arrested, he's executed, he is is tortured on a cross. And and the night before he was betrayed, as I was saying earlier this morning, is that he told his disciples that he was leaving. He gave them a heads up. I'm leaving. This is not going to... and, And they still, even though he literally said this is what's going to happen, they still didn't get it. And so... Uh, he tells them that he is going to send them the Holy Spirit as a guide to continue his kingdom message. And after his resurrection, he takes the disciples and he, he breathes on them in the Gospel of John and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so they were there and, and um, he says, what did he tell them to do and as he's getting ready to leave? What was his instructions? To wait, right? To, that that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And and the Holy Spirit is going to be uh, the presence of God that's going to be with you. And, and he's going to empower you to be my disciples, to be my witnesses. Um, he says that in the, in the beginning of, of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 1. And then the Holy Spirit comes to his followers and they were all together, uh, uh, About 120 of them, and they were worshiping and praying. And what did they hear? What did they hear? Wind, not just wind, not just you know a a gentle breeze. They hear this rushing, mighty, like gale force wind. Um, And and it was the sound of, of a violent wind. And and then what happened? What happened? Tongues of fire, right? As they're praying, as they're in the upper room, it's like all of their hairspray caught on fire, um, but their hair isn't being burned. Hmm. Have we seen anything like this previously? Where there's fire, but nothing's being consumed or burned up? Where have we seen that before? The burning bush. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's read it. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It says the fiery cloud coming to rest over each person, it it refers back to to a bunch of things that to Jewish Christians who understood the story that God was telling, this made a lot of sense. i got to tell you, growing up as a kid in an Assemblies of God church, in a Pentecostal church, reading this story, I don't know that anyone ever made that connection for me that the tongues of fire on top of the disciples' heads points back to the burning bush. That the, the sound of the mighty rushing wind and the fire coming and resting on them points back to the tabernacle. What happened with the tabernacle? When, when God gave them the tent that they were to follow all throughout the wilderness, what did, what did they experience? Nobody remembers. There was the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke, right? And when they, the, the, remember when we were talking about when they dedicated the temple, when they, when the tabernacle, they built the tabernacle, they put all the pieces together, they gathered all their stuff, they did all the sacrifices. The presence of God came to the entrance of the, the, the tent and filled it with fire and with smoke and no one could get anywhere near it. Right? And that was their, that was their RV tabernacle. Right, that 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 wasn't a recreational vehicle. It was their mobile tabernacle that they went all over the place, and then then they get we get to Solomon's temple, which is now a permanent temple in Jerusalem. You know, this is one of the things I thought was just fascinating um, that I I learned uh, this this last week. Solomon's temple was on um, on a hill in Jerusalem, Um, in most. Ancient cultures, we talked about this when we talked about the temples, they would build their temple where? Highest point. They would, they would, they would base their community around a huge hill or, and the temple would be at the highest point and then they would settle around it. All their homes would be around it. So in the central point, their, their hill would be like this thing that you could see from miles away. And And again, as a guy who loves to climb, like the the whole idea of climbing to the top of the temple, where then at the top, at the pinnacle was where you met with God. It was a workout, right? It was difficult. Um, some ancient cultures, like the Greeks, they they literally had a Mount Olympus where it was so hard to get to it was it was an actual mountain. That is insanely difficult to climb, and on the top of it was where they believed their gods lived, right? Zeus and Apollo and all of those guys. Um, but no one went up there to meet with them. It was an impossible thing. It was they are that so much far removed from us. Here's the thing that's so beautiful about Solomon 's temple. The hill in Jerusalem is not a tremendously high hill. It was accessible. It was so. It was so that that, that it was. in the you hear verses uh, that David writes in the Psalms that who will ascend to the hill of our Lord? Who will ascend to His holy presence? It was not this intense climbing Mount Everest experience to get there. There was work. It was a hill, right? We're not going to say that it's not a hill, um, but it wasn't this. They're so far beyond us that you can't have access to him and so solomon's temple is built and it's amazing right it's one of the wonders of the of the of the of human civilization people come from all over the world to see it what happens when they offer all the sacrifices and they do all the things to prepare the temple what happens the day of the opening ceremony fire right the, the the presence of God comes and fills the temple with fire and smoke and they can't even go inside. And so now Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I'm getting ready to go. I'm telling you the temple is going to be destroyed. And they don't know what that means. They have no idea. And, and we talked about uh, last week that, that when he died, when he said it is finished, the veil, the curtain that separated the us from the holy of holies, gets ripped in half from top to bottom so that we now have access to God. And we don't have to, we don't have to climb Everest to do it. And we don't have to offer all of these sacrifices to do it. And Jesus says, I am going to send the Holy Spirit now. And, and you don't have to, to do anything to earn it or deserve it. He didn't say go do all of these mighty acts don't go do these things he just said go and wait and i'm going to send you the holy spirit so for them when the wind shows up and the fire shows up they're like oh man like this this is this is the new thing and so it says when luke says the tongues of fire descended onto the followers he couldn't be more clear god's presence was arriving and settling into a new temple. And it wasn't a tent, and it wasn't a building, it was us. It was it was the first, it was the 120 disciples. And so when we think about that, when we think about you and I, when we invite Christ into our lives, when we ask him to forgive our sins and say, Jesus, we I want a relationship with you, At that moment when we have, when we repent of our sins and we accept Him as our personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit then resides in us. And we are many temples of the Lord's presence in the world. That's got some implications for us. And, and so let's take a look at what that means. So Paul warns the followers of Jesus in Corinth to not let their pride Divide them. Why? He did it because he considered it a corruption of God's new temple. He says this. He says, "Don't you know that you are all God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst?" Now, what's interesting? First Corinthians this is First Corinthians chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen. And what we don't get in English because in the Greek uh, we we because. We're not Greek scholars and we don't speak Greek, unless you're Tom Elias uh, and who, who speaks Greek. The word you in this passage is a plural you. It means all of you in Corinth, every single one of you that is a follower of Christ, don't you, all of you, realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in or among you? The verse 17 is one of those serious implication verses. Like sometimes we think that, that God only speaks harshly in the Old Testament and in the New Testament he's all about love and, and grace and mercy. Paul says this, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Verse 17. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. There's serious implications when we speak negatively, when we think that we are better than another part of God's temple, that we are that, that we that when, when we are when we attack, when we divide, when when we gossip. God looks at that as a very, very strong, strong thing. Look at what he says to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, it says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And together we are his house, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of this dwelling where God's spirit lives. We are the temple. And so we can't be looking at other people that are also followers of Christ and tearing them down. God sees that very, very seriously. Um, now, not only that, but God, he thinks, you know, sometimes, again, it's like, well, you know, we can do whatever we want now. We're all under grace, and we don't have to worry about how we behave. And And the Ten Commandments, that was Old Testament, right? We don't have to worry about that. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Paul, he talks about how our mini-temple status, who we are, as we carry God's presence in the world, it actually requires us to change our behavior here's what he says to a group of people. There were some men in the in the church in Corinth that, after they came to Christ, continued to behave the way they had done before they were followers of Jesus and how did they do that well um, they would uh, they had a habit of going out to eat together um, but they didn't go to duffs. To eat wings with the guys from from church. Like we're going to do. The Saturday after. Iron sharpens iron. We're going to go out to eat afterwards. They had this habit of going to eat. But where they went to go eat. Were at the pagan shrines. Where they would offer meat. To demonic deities. And idols. um, And they would still continue. To go there for barbecue. Now. Now. In addition to that, well, that's not that big of a deal, right? But they're just going out to eat, right? It's no big deal. They're just going out for barbecue. Yes, it's barbecue that's been offered to gods of human sacrifice and, and all kinds of horrible things. But, you know, meat is meat. It's okay. Also in these shrines, in these places of demonic worship, were professional prostitutes that, that when you, uh, when you went to worship these, these Demonic uh, deities. Uh, part of the way that you worship them was that you had sex with prostitutes in the temple. And so these guys who were claiming to be followers of Christ were still going out for barbecue, and then after barbecue, a little more something, something. And didn't see anything wrong with that. And so Paul has to remind them, he calls them out, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Right? That's not an Old Testament verse. That's a New Testament verse. New Testament instruction. That's now for us. That as followers of Christ... When we have invited him in, it, it, we, have, we should be careful with our temple. Careful with what we say about other temples and careful what we do with our temple because we are carrying the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit purifies us. Um, when we think about what fire does, what do we use fire for? Cooking, right? Can we go to the new McDonald's, as beautiful as it is, and eat raw hamburger? No. No, we need to use flame. Well, it's not Burger King. So uh, Burger King uses flame. But we use flame to heat the grill to then cook the meat, right? Because it purifies. It cooks out all the junk, all the bacteria, all the things that if you eat them, if you were to eat a raw patty uh, from Alex's store, you would get very sick, right? Um, the Holy Spirit, that, that representation of of the flame of fire coming and resting on each one of them was, was a, an image of purity that god, that god is calling us into as His representatives on earth. And so if we are god 's new temple, here's a question: Do we have to follow the same purity laws? From the Old Testament, it's a great question, and the question, the answer is yes and no. Um, so here's the thing: because we we don't have a temple that we, but because we don't offer continual sacrifices anymore, we don't have to offer animals to have our sins covered because Jesus paid the price once and for all for all of those animal sacrifices. That His blood covers all of our sin, all of our sins past. All of our sins present, all of our sins future. Our responsibility is to walk in an attitude of repentance and 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 to ask, Lord, please forgive me. Um, so no, we don't have to follow the 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 purity and the sacrificial rituals and the the holiness rites to the Israelite culture. But let me ask a question: uh, Do we have a serious responsibility to ma- maintain? purity as the temple of the Holy Spirit in our bodies in the things that we say we have a responsibility to do that yeah we are responsible for the words that come out of our mouth do we have a responsibility to keep the temple of the Holy Spirit pure in the things that we look at yeah absolutely we do to to guard what we're looking at and to guard what we're allowing into our spirits and into our hearts. Do we have a responsibility to, to be careful what we're putting into our bodies physically? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that we have to be careful that, that what we put into this body uh, does not bring damage to the temple of the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again, we see God's presence, God's Holy Spirit coming down and resting on the, the bush in, in the desert and then on the tabernacle and then on Solomon's temple and now on the disciples and, and, and on us. Now we, I don't know that I have ever seen actual fire. I think probably the fire thing was a symbolic act that happened that one time, but we do have access to the Holy Spirit exactly the same way that the early disciples had, that when we ask, He his desire is for his presence to fill us and to empower us to go be his witnesses. And I believe that the, the what they experienced as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they received uh, the, a, a language that they could speak that they had no idea what that was, that still happens today. And I, I think sometimes, um, I, I know for me when I was a kid, when I was praying for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, to experience this same thing, I was so focused on when do I get my prayer language, when do I get my prayer language, when do I get my prayer language, that I completely missed the why behind what it's for. That when when we ask God, so... so we have the Holy Spirit when we're saved. When we, the moment that you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, to be the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and you are, in God's eyes, a completely brand new creation. Brand new. All new. Your, your, your body, your spirit, your soul, everything is brought into right relationship with God. And you can't do anything to earn it or to deserve it. Like Stacy was talking about this morning, the lie that the enemy feeds us is that once we've put our trust in Christ, that now it's our job to make ourselves right with God. Is that what Jesus teaches his disciples? That we have to make ourselves right with God? No. It's a once and for all. Now, can we choose to walk away from that? There are some churches that teach that you can't. That once you 're saved you 're always saved, and that there isn 't anything that you can do to lose your salvation and in some regards that 's right, but w- in some regards i don 't believe it 's the whole story because I believe that we can we can choose to walk away from the lord um, it 's a bad choice, but we have the free will to make that choice. Um, What I lost, what I didn't get until later in my life is that I don't ask the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that I can have a prayer language. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, this encounter where, where I am filled with his Holy Spirit to overflowing has nothing to do with me. It's not about some ooey-gooey, warm feeling that I get to feel. It's so that as his temple, everywhere that I go, I bring his presence with me. So as I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and he is empowering me, I can be a witness at school or I can be a witness at work or I can be a witness in my neighborhood or, or wherever he takes me We're back to the tabernacle moving around and God's presence intersecting in people's lives. But now the tabernacle is me. And it's you. That's why we ask God for the empowerment from the Holy Spirit. That's why we ask God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fill us with his power so that we can bring his presence into the darkness. Amen? Amen? Look at what Ezekiel says. Now, you know, again, back into Israel's story. Jerusalem's temple has been destroyed. And and God's spirit is playing this key role in the future hope of the prophets. And, and Ezekiel gets this vision of a new temple. A new place where God's presence is going to be. A new, uh, obedient Israel. And he knew that it would have to be the work of God's spirit. And so in Ezekiel chapter 36 we find this promise that God is going to bring his creative presence again to live inside of us. Just like it was in the temple, just like it was in the tabernacle. He says this, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 28. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit inside you And move you to follow my decrees. And be careful to keep my laws. And you will be my people. And I will be your God. This morning. We are his temple. Don't let the enemy blind you to that fact. To that truth. Right? We get so stuck In our situations, we get so stuck in the things that we struggle with. We get so stuck in the relationships that we're in that we forget that tomorrow when you walk into work, tomorrow when you walk into the grocery store, you are carrying the presence of God into every situation, into every relationship. When you're struggling with your feelings, your emotions about something, You don't have to go through that alone. We can ask the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to speak into that situation. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person here. For every single little mini temple of your Holy Spirit that is sitting here in this room for all of the little mini, mini temples that are running around upstairs. That You have put Your Spirit in. Father, I pray that You would remind us that we are Your creation. And that it's good. Not just good, but very good. And that You indwell us. And You empower us. To be your witnesses. To be your representatives on earth. Lord I pray that you would remind us of that this week. Lord when the enemy wants to come in. And, and lie to us. About what failures we are. Or what, what, what mistakes we've made. Lord I pray that you would remind us that we are your temple. Lord help us to be careful. What we allow into our temple. That we are careful what we allow out of our temple, that what we say, the the things that we do, or that we bring you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Next week we're going to wrap up. Uh, we're going to talk about the new heaven and the new earth and the other place. Uh, next week. Uh, so as, as as we've been going through this series. I want to just focus all of our attention on, on what he promises us and not spend a ton of time on the real consequence of rejecting his promise. Amen. Blessings. Have a great week. I know Youth Quest, uh, is on this Friday night. So if you're available, uh, if your students are in middle school or in high school, um, this is our, our Beginning of the new Friday night schedule at the gate from 6 to 9. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Blessings, have a great week.